Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin, uh, and today we will be analyzing Taxi Cab off of Contra. I know I'm really excited to uh, talk about a song off of Contra. We haven't really gotten much of a chance. We did California English way back, but it's it's an interesting album uh, that's kind of uh, very different from their other works. Uh, what what was your first impressions, Kevin? Yeah, it's a it's a really unique album. Um, I think before we had picked Taxi Cab for this week's song, I'd only listened to Contra front to back once. And I think you and I both agree it is our least favorite of the four. Um, but it is growing on me. There's some unique stuff here. And we were talking before the show about how thematically it's not like a it's not a concept album, but I mean it's 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 pretty it's pretty tight in terms of what we're dealing with. Um, I also think in general it's very funny. Um, when you read up on the whole lawsuit behind the, the cover, um, I think it's just funny for a band like Vampire Weekend to be involved in a lawsuit of any sort. Um, that just, I don't know, to me, that's just comical. Um, but this is a number one album. And I mean, they, they, they've done this for their other albums too. But I mean, to have an album that's kind of this unique and kind of out there compared to their first one is is impressive. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the main hits off of it were uh, what giving up the gun cousins uh holiday holiday yeah holidays holidays event i feel like holiday week holiday and horchata are two songs if you ask people our age or maybe a few years older they're gonna know even if they don't know vampire weekends i mean there yeah. were, there were definitely reasons to be aware of this album but the deeper tracks in here like taxi cab can bring some interesting stuff yeah for sure um yeah it's it's definitely a kind of a strange album to to reach number one um especially considering i don't i don't think father of the bride ever actually hit number one um, i think it did i wanted to check that earlier i want I, it hit i'm pretty sure it did album charts are weird because like you could hit number one for like a week and then come yeah. back down um especially now i'm pretty sure father the bride hit number one yeah it's it's kind of kind of weird with streaming also now so exactly yeah um but yeah, I think this song is kind of a good embodiment of uh, Contra. Um, mm-hmm. It it deals with uh, a a surface level story of I I read it as a relationship that kind of ran its course and is ready to end or has ended. Um, but I think there's a lot lot of stuff deeper than that. Um, that is actually probably what's more focused on um, in terms of uh, reconciling uh, one's privilege and uh, coming to face with with uh, how one's to view uh, the privilege one grew up with. Yeah, there's there's definitely some social commentary here. I um I mentioned to Nico earlier in the week about how this song reminds me of Elvis Costello's Beyond Belief. Um, which I know we talked about how the band has used uh, Costello and the Attractions as an influence before, but lyrically that is a song that is about how folks in the modern age don't know difficulty. And there's kind of a, mm-hmm. kind of a, a bit of a disconnect there between what the real world is like. So we kind of see some of that here. Um, and something I kind of noticed too, is each of these little verses, there's portions of it that read as a narrative, but there's also portions of these that kind of read as more that general commentary. 
And it's almost like, it's almost pretty consistent I see throughout. If we look at our first verse, for example, unsentimental, driving around, sure of myself, sure of it now. That is kind of an, to me, that kind of reads as more of an overall social commentary. And then we come to those next four lines. But you were standing there so close to me, like the future was supposed to be in the aisles of the grocery, in the blocks uptown. That's like some more like Springsteen, like we're in a specific setting kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that first half is kind of more of like a a vague social commentary, the sort of thing that you and I could relate to, even though we may have never been to New York, we may have never been to this grocery in question. Yeah, and I I think that um, those later lines uh, being a more personal anecdote from Ezra is... um, is confirmed by we we did some digging before this episode and found a blog post uh, from Ezra back in uh, 2005 September 2005. Um, so this was a blog he had in college, um, and he talks about how he um, he loves going through supermarkets. Uh, there's just something unique about it, um, and hearing. He, he talks a lot about hearing the Latin percussion um, and uh, Latin music, which is uh, cool to see because obviously the early Vampire Weekend albums especially are very heavily influenced by Latin pop um, and African pop. Um, so that's really cool to see him kind of being exposed to it uh, through grocery stores. Uh, but it definitely relates to the lines in the aisles of the grocery in the blocks uptown uh, as this blog post talks about him going with his uh, girlfriend at the time to these supermarkets um, and the supermarkets. It gives an address, right? Like 115th street, like <laughs> yeah. literally uptown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's very cool. And so these, these supermarkets, the aisles are super narrow. So you're, you're going to be super close to each other. Um, but it, it's kind of this, this uh, almost r- romantic appeal of being with the person you're going to be with uh, and just shopping for groceries. Like seeing that you're shopping for groceries with that person standing side by side in the aisle, realizing like this could be forever. Um, and I think that's kind of what it's hinting at saying but you were standing there so close to me, like the future was supposed to be. Um, but in the end, it, the relationship went wrong and, uh, and ended. Yeah, it's really kind of a sad read of it there, but I think, I think it's true. Um, and I think it, it, it fits your earlier theme um, that you mentioned at the beginning. Uh, these are really kind of unique lyrics. And we look at that next line, I remember, remember it well, but if you've forgotten, could you tell? That could be some sort of, I mean, I don't know if there's too much more to read in there. It could just be, again, kind of like longing at the end of a relationship. Um, that next line, though, in the shadow of your first attack, I was questioning and looking back. You said, baby, we don't speak of that like a real aristocrat. Now, I don't know what is meant by attack, but I think that's got to be intentional, right? Yeah, there's there's a couple of possible meanings, I think. Um, one that is kind of more surface level is um, kind of exaggerating a fight that they have. Uh, and after that fight saying, 
maybe we don't speak of that like a real aristocrat just kind of pushing it under the rug hoping that it goes away i really like a, a take on it that i read as the attack being a panic attack and um oh the the narrator is saying you you need to talk about that and get the help needed uh and and she says that she again pushes it under the rug saying maybe we don't speak of that like a real aristocrat kind of speaking to wasp culture of uh not really talking about your feelings much and pushing it aside um pushing it inside as much as possible I like that. And, and I like that. I think it would be cool to imagine this on well, a cool, but I think it would be really interesting to imagine this as a panic attack. Cause that would mm-hmm. be, I mean, it would be, it'd be obviously very, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It would be very astute to kind of, to kind of bring up a mental health issue as we kind of get into the 21st century here, where that's kind of becoming the norm for folks to speak out about their mental health issues. But even if it's not, even if it's, I mean, I, you'd hope it's not some sort of physical violence that's happening here, but like a real aristocrat kind of, yeah, makes the sense that like, Hey, if, if you are of a higher class or you're suspected to be in like a high quality family or in a good relationship, you're supposed to hide things that are bad. You got to put in, put in a good face. So I like that read of it. Yeah. And I, I think it's, supported by the next verse when they're saying compound the compound lazy and safe wanted to leave it wanted to wait and then the key line in the song when the taxi door was open wide i pretended i was horrified by the uniform and gloves outside of the courtyard gate and so i'm picturing the scene of him and this girl taking a taxi to her residence and um, them getting out of the taxi and the narrator just seeing this fancy apartment with uh, our fancy neighborhood whatever um with a gatekeeper with gloves on opening the door of the taxi for them uh very upper class um very privileged upbringing um and i i pretended i was horrified um kind of speaks to him trying to push that uh level of privilege strictly on her um, but since he's pretending, obviously he comes from some sort of privilege as well. Yeah, I think if you come from that sort of background, unless you're just unless you just haven't been taught any sense of reality, you you can be embarrassed by that. You know, I mean, I think of myself. I mean, I'm not incredibly well off, but I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that are are are, are doing worse than I am, and it's like, yeah, you, you can feel embarrassed sometimes when you realize that like you have things that some folks don't. So I, I, I understand where this is coming from. And I, I think it's, again, a, a, a good take on that. And I think it's really, uh, really interesting to view this in the context of Vampire Weekend being called this like rich white frat boy band um, after their first album and getting a lot of criticism for being these white boys who um, kind of adopted that Africana pop and Latin pop that we talked about. Um, and uh, this being the response to that, um, saying like, oh yeah, like there's definitely privilege here and we're well aware of it. And we're good. we pretend to be horrified, but is there a better response than that that we should be taking? 
Yeah, I think I think it's a good it's a it's a good move by them. It's almost like a PR move in a song, which is kind of weird <laughs> to think about, but I think it's a good way to attack it. Um, the next the next little stanza here I thought was really interesting. Um, you're not a victim, but neither am I. Nostalgic for garbage, desperate for time. I thought right away. I'm curious if the line of unsentimental at the beginning and also mm-hmm. at the end is supposed to be juxtaposed with this nostalgic for garbage that we put on the, what we're assuming to be the other individual in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I mean, are, it's, it's weird. Is the main character here trying to view this unsentimentality in a good light? Because usually we, we think of being sentimental as, if not necessarily a good thing, at least a neutral thing to remember uh, like times of the past. But then we're also kind of painting this other individual as having a negative attitude towards nostalgia. I mean, nostalgic for garbage. I just, I just thought that was interesting. And I was curious if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it's a great, great comment and lyric on how a lot of us view relationships that have failed. Uh, he, he kind of is humbling himself by saying, you're not a victim, but neither am I. Um, and later on saying, but I know that was never fair. You were always fine. Um, accepting some of the blame for that relationship. Uh, and, but in the end, it was a failed relationship. So if he's looking back on it uh, with nostalgia, what he's really having is nostalgic for garbage. Uh, a very harsh way to put it, but uh, definitely, definitely a poetic way. Uh, and then desperate for time, I'm not too sure. Um, I really like the line. I I want to say desperate for time is the thing pushing him to end that relationship and move on with life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of juxtaposed and contrasting the nostalgic for garbage because the nostalgia is pulling him back, but the desperation for time is uh, pushing him away. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I, it just kind of reaffirms that failed relationship thing we're talking about. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of us have been there. You know, it's like you, like maybe not even like a romantic relationship, but like yeah, you, you think fondly on things and we tend to, we tend to overthink or kind of hold to a higher standard good times in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that look of it. Yeah, and then the final line in that verse, I think, just further reinforces um, the the state the secondary meaning within the song of attacking or accepting one's own privilege that one has. Um, I could blame it on your mother's hair or the colors that your father wears. Uh, saying maybe it's because she had this privileged upbringing that it failed. Um, and I could blame it on that so I could feel better about myself. But in the end, he says that he was never fair and she was always fine. Uh, so in the end, it had nothing to do with that. It was just mm-hmm. a failed relationship. And sometimes that's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that. After that, we're seeing that verse that starts with unsentimental, which is almost, I think, word for word. Uh, what we have in that first verse. Um, so we kind of went over that. And then our final verse here is close to 
the one we talked about earlier in the shadow of your first attack i was questioning and looking back except this time we have in the shadow of your first attack i was questioning and looking back you were standing on another track like a real aristocrat now that mm -hmm. is very interesting so you were standing on another track in the context of the theme we've kind of been talking about almost makes you think that we're looking at two characters that might be in different social classes mm -hmm. yeah i don't, I don't sure. know i don't know if we'll really know i said like a really a right answer here but that's interesting to think about yeah i like that take i didn't really think of that i was more thinking uh standing on another track as in the relationship has ended so now we're going our separate ways but um maybe it's both meanings maybe the primary meaning is that and then the secondary meaning again the song is filled with the secondary take on uh how we handle privilege in society um and i i really like that take on this being um standing on different tracks on how privilege has allowed us to access things within society okay yeah and i think it also fits the it fits the relationship thing too we're just we're on different pages mm -hmm. so yeah that feels that feels really good um Wow, we actually went front just straight down the line I, in a song like this. We haven't done that in a while. That was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we've done that yet fully, um, but I feel like every lyric here is important. Um, and a lot of songs, there's some throwaway lines um, that kind of more just set up the tone or setting. Um, but with this one, I feel like every lyric uh, is pretty important. It it felt intentional, and I think when you listen to the song, it's really subdued and um like it really reminded me of that elvis costello song with ezra's lyrical delivery um in much the same way that mr costello did just kind of that like kind of low almost like talking voice um and it, it it felt intentional it felt real it felt a little more raw than some of these other vampire weekend songs yeah, I, I definitely agree. You look at the song we covered earlier, California English, it's talked, it's said so fast. Um, and there's so much instrumentation going on in the background that it's almost like the lyrics are hidden and aren't as important to understand every single lyric, mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense because that song is much more of a collage of different, uh, different things attributing to a theme while this one definitely has a clear storyline uh, that um, elaborates on other themes within it. Yeah, it's, it's a fun song. Well, like it's not a fun song, but it's, it's fun to look at this in the context of the rest of the album. Um, Cause we're talking about Contra, you know, theme where there's contrast, not necessarily that one side is good and one side is bad, but people looking at things from other sides and this is and that, that applies to a relationship obviously when you think contra mm -hmm. you think of like an uprising you think of all this 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 unrest that occurred in the 80s in so many different parts of the world um but yeah it can even happen across class lines and across just even relationship lines in new york city mm -hmm. yeah great uh i did want to bring a new segment into our podcast. Okay, um, here we go. So where we say our favorite line from the song, favorite lyric. Oh, good. So I'll start off. My, my favorite lyric from this one definitely 
was you're not a victim but neither am i nostalgic for garbage desperate for time well you picked the easy one so you got that (laughs) (laughs) um when i saw lazy and safe Mm. i thought that was just that alone it's like i mean that's a song that's a lyric you could put in just about any song um or at least in terms of any song that's like where there's a bit of bit of commentary about the actions of a person. I mean, that is so close to the Paul Simon, you can call me Al, man walks down the street. Why am I soft in the middle now? I mean, it's the same like conflict within a person. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, but just lazy and safe as its own line. I thought was very, very interesting. Great. Um, So top five. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think this song comes close to cracking the top five. I don't believe so. Even though I do enjoy analyzing these lyrics, uh, it was always near bottom tier Vampire Weekend for me. Um, But I would go number one, um, Stranger, two, um, Unbelievers, three, Campus, four, Harmony Hall, five, Bambina. Yeah, we'll go Bambina. Okay. So my top five, I will go. Let's see. I think I think Stranger's still gotta be number one for me. Um, and then I will go Harmony Hall, Unbelievers. I think that's new for me in that position. Um, I liked Jonathan Lowe a lot. That one's gonna came up on shuffling for me today. That'll come up at number four. And then let's go Walcott. Okay, great. And then our hat for the week. Yeah, what do we got today? We have, oh, just a generic uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish basketball cap. Um, Our snapback cap, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a snapback. A trucker hat, if you look at the mesh mesh in the back. (laughs) Yeah, just college football update. It's November 29th at this recording. Uh, Both... Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Texas A&M Aggies are undefeated. Um, A&M's not undefeated. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow, <laughs> they, they got killed by Bama. I forgot about that. I mean, it's acceptable. I don't think it's getting talked enough about enough, but I think this is Saban's best Bama team. Yeah, I mean, they're the only team that I think would beat Notre Dame. So, but, but I think I agree. Here, yeah, they come here for college football. So. <laughs> I need I need a little bit of I come on. So so we're 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 going contra heavy because next week is holiday. Oh we got a big one next week. Oh wow, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should be fun. That's exciting. Okay. So thanks for tuning in everyone, and we'll see you next week. Um.